Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. This morning, Ephesians chapter 6. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one. Anybody need a Bible? Uh, here we go. Right over here, we need a Bible. Anybody else need a Bible? Open up to Ephesians chapter 6. And once you're there, you can stand up and we will, up here in the front here, uh, we will read the Word of God together. Ephesians chapter 6, and we are, possibly, should be, finishing this book today. We'll see. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flames, flaming darts of the evil one and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am, how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the, brother, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we ask you, Lord, to come now and just speak to us. Lord, we want to understand how to navigate through the spiritual battles that we face in victory. And Lord, for some, it might mean that just being aware that we're in a battle. And for others, being coming aware that we have been properly clothed, that we've been given all that we need in order to win the battle. And so we ask you, Father, to speak to every individual here this morning Awaken our hearts, Lord, and uh, just direct us as only you can. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, we made some good effort last week to try and finish the book of Ephesians, but, well, we fell a little short. So, I, I told you guys, whenever you get to the word finally, whenever a pastor gets to the word finally, you, you never know what that, when that's going to end. They say finally, but that's really not what they mean. They mean finally, uh, I'm going to come to a close at some point. That's what it means. So, you know, Paul doesn't disappoint us. That's what he does. He, he goes on after saying finally for 14 verses, you know. But it's some of the richest, uh, richest uh, texts that we have in the Bible as it relates to spiritual warfare. The, the subject matter in which Paul is talking to us about is so important that I think that he, by... By, by way of the Holy Spirit, left it for last. I believe it's so crucial for believers to understand it. Now, first and foremost, we need to understand that Christ died for us and that he, he is, uh, you know, forgiven us of our sins. If we come by grace through faith, we're saved and those sorts of things, the, the basis of salva salvation. But for the believer, after you've taken that step of salvation, you really need to understand how to navigate through life victoriously. Because there is a tremendous battle going on on the horizontal, and we can't see it. But we sure can feel it, and we experience it regularly. And in fact, some are oftentimes, we, we just count it, we slough it off as to something else. Sometimes we 
put too much credit into it. What do I mean? Well, C.S. Lewis, he, he said it like this. He said, when it comes to the demonic realm, people usually fall into one of two errors. Either they take it altogether too seriously or they do not take it seriously enough. Which do you fall into this morning? You take it altogether too serious? What do I mean? Well, is everything that you encounter in life or you... You know, when, when you go to the gas station and you put pump gas in your thing and you're, you know, and the price has gone up and you're, compl- you're like, this is spiritual warfare. I can't believe gas prices are going up. And, you know, or, you know, you go to the grocery store and you're looking for your favorite comfort food and, the, and it's had a price increase or they're out of it. And you're like, the devil is after me. You know, that would be taking it too seriously. Listen, don't give the demonic realm too much credit, but it would also be equally erring to say that it doesn't exist, I gave you a statistic last week that nearly 60% of professing Christians, people that say they're Christians, don't believe in a literal devil or demons. They don't believe in a literal devil or demons. They believe that it's symbolic. When you read something like that or come across something like that in the Scripture, it's symbolic of just evil. It just represents evil, right? Wrong. Wrong. In in fact, to discount the enemy who is at work in this world and at work in your life right now, even though you may not believe in him, he's very real. He's very much at work in in every person's life. And so to discount it would be extremely, uh, uh, you know, a disservice to you. We can't give the enemy too much credit, but we also have to give him some credit. We have to understand what we're dealing with here. And Paul wants to make sure we understand it. He, he instructs us in these final verses on how to walk victoriously through the battle. And this is a part two. Last week we considered really kind of the first three verses and we got a little bit into the armor of God. Uh, so if you missed that, go back and check it out. You're gonna, you know, we're gonna, you'll, you'll hear the message about the fact that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. You have to understand the battle that you're facing is not a, a physical battle. It's a spiritual battle. But... Oftentimes, we fight physically, and that's why we fail. So Paul wants us to understand uh, the, the, the nature of the battle. Uh, if you want to walk victoriously, the outline of the, these verses is very simple. Verse 10 tells us we must be strong in the Lord. Verses 11 through 17 says we must be properly clothed. And verses 18 through 24 say we must be committed to prayer. So that's the outline. By way of reminder, the first thing that Paul instructs us Uh, as believers in the Lord, is that if we want to walk victoriously, we must emphatically, absolutely be strong in yourself, right? Wrong. In the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Be strong in the Lord. What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? It means to be completely dependent on His strength and His might. Not just saying I'm relying on God's power and actually relying on your own power, but really relying on Jesus to fight the battle for you. Because you can't fight the battle. It's a spiritual battle. You have no means to be able to fight that battle other than the means that Christ has given you. And Paul displays those means for us here in his word. He tells us we've got to be strong in the Lord and his might and his power. We need a spiritual remedy, not a physical one. Well, we've been given that in Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.4 For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Most Christians live defeated lives. They live defeated lives because they're attempting to fight a spiritual battle with physical weaponry. It's like taking a stick to a gunfight. That's ridiculous you are set up to fail immediately when you step in to wherever it is that you're supposed to be going. I got my stick. I got my gun. Hello. You will not win that battle. And, you know, it's a stupid analogy, but the reality of it, it is true. You can't win a spiritual battle with physical means. You can't do it. You need Jesus to, to give you his strength and his might so that you can have victory. Only Jesus can win the battle. This moves us to our second point. We want to walk victoriously. We must be properly clothed. And Paul reminds us that we must put on the whole armor of God if we're going to stand, listen, stand and withstand the schemes of the devil and the evil day. Notice, we're not called to fight the battle. We're called to stand 
in the battle, and the way that we do that is by operating in the armor that we've been given in Christ. Last week I said, you know, God isn't going to take you out of the battle. He clothed you to be in it. There's a purpose for the battle. The enemy means it for evil, but God means it for good. And so, you know, you know the way, how it works in his sovereignty and all, he allows us to be put in certain circumstances and certain situations, and he's going to use it for your good. But what do we do oftentimes? Let's be honest. Lord, take me out of the battle. I don't want to be in the battle. I don't like the battle. I don't like this. This isn't comfortable for me. Put me back in my comfortable place. Take me out of the fight and put me behind, you know, the, the fight. I don't want to fight. And the Lord says, oh, but it's good for you. You need it because I'm still working on you. What do you mean? I am sanctifying you. I am, yes, positionally you are righteous before the Lord. And you are positionally justified in heaven as if you've never sinned, you are perfect in God's eyes. Practically speaking, he, he's working that out through the battle, folks. He's helping you see, am I really depending on the Lord? You know, we would all say, of course I love Jesus. Man, I love Jesus with everything I got. Until you get into a battle, you can't really say that. Because it's in the midst of hardship that you really see where you are. Is it not true? When you're in hardship, the, the worst of you comes out, does it not? You know, uh, you, you get in a circumstance and all of a sudden things that you didn't even know were in you start coming out of you and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? That's the point, you see. He's using the battle to refine you, to reveal these things to you so that you can work through them. Can, can't he just do it another way, though? That would be so much easier. Why don't you just take it out of me, Lord? Listen, he wants us to work through, you know, work out our salvation fear and trembling. Like, you know, he wants us to understand this because, listen, when we get to heaven and we are physically perfect and, you know, our bodies have been changed, there is no battle. There is no battle. And you will very much appreciate what Christ has done for you, but you can't appreciate it unless you understand what you're dealing with and who you're dealing with and the very nature of who you are. And that's what God's doing. And it doesn't feel fun. It's not easy. It's not comfortable, but it's good because he's a good dad. And he knows what we need. He wants to work in your life through the battle. He's not going to take you out of it. He's equipped you to be in it. So he's given us these six things that Paul uh, will, will lay out for us, six different uh, types of armor that God has given us to be able to stand and withstand the enemy in the evil day. Now, this is kind of interesting because Paul, currently, as he writes this, is in prison in Rome. At the very end of that, did you catch that? He said, I'm in chains. You know, many believe that as Paul is writing this, that by day he's chained to some Roman soldier who is garbed up in Roman, you know, armor. So, he, he, you know, it's a beautiful picture what he's done here. Uh, you know, he sees the physical realm and he tries to illustrate it in a spiritual way. The Holy Spirit gives him the capacity to take this analogy and make it real for you and I for, so that we can understand what we've been given in Christ. That's really the whole point of the book of Ephesians, folks, for you to understand what you have in Jesus Christ, that you have riches beyond your imagination in Christ. He's helping us understand the worth of the believer and the walk of the believer. He, help, he wants you to understand that, yes, although you were completely and totally destitute and lost and, and all of that, that through Jesus Christ, you have everything right now, right here, right now. You have it all. You just need to walk it out. So he, so he uses this, this picture here to help us understand that although we are in a battle, that we are clothed uh, with, with a, a type of armor that spiritually protects us from the spiritual battle. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the picture. He is the physical aspect of the, the armor that that Paul talks about. When he talks about putting on the armor, what he's really saying is put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really what he's saying because the armor comes through Jesus and every one of these is an illustration of Jesus in some way, shape, or form. So Paul wants us to understand that we're in a battle that God has properly clothed us so that we can be victorious, so that we can stand in, against the enemy and in these evil days. Again, the word stand it literally means to resist. 
That's what it means. He's not telling you to battle. He's telling you to resist in the battle. He's telling you to just stay put, stand strong, and allow me to fight the battle. Uh, James 4, 7 reminds us, submit yourself therefore to God, i.e. put on the armor, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. God says the way that we win the battle is just to stand. And that's how we stand, and the enemy will flee. Why? Because he's already lost the battle in Christ. Jesus has already overcome him. We win the battle by standing or resisting. Listen, we resist by way of the armor that we've been given. You see, Christ has given us what we need. Our victory is in him. We've already overcome. Colossians 2.15 tells us, He, speaking of Jesus Christ, disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. In Christ, we have the victory over every ruler and authority, every cosmic power in this present darkness, in every spiritual force of evil. Jesus Christ has overcome for you. Therefore, put on the armor, i.e. the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will overcome as well. What does this armor look like? Six specific things. First, Paul tells us about the belt of truth. He says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Now, we talked about this last week, but if you consider a Roman soldier, the foundation of their entire armor is the belt. The belt does a couple different things, practically speaking. It holds up the clothing so that it, the clothing doesn't get in the way. They can tuck it in their belt so that the, you know, the clothing, if they wore like kind of a longer, uh, you know, whatever, a skirt or whatever, they could gird themselves up in the midst of battle so that their clothing didn't become a hindrance for them. You know, so the belt does that. But also, the belt, everything is attached to the belt in some way, shape, or form. So the belt becomes the foundation for the armor of a Roman soldier. So too. The belt of truth becomes the foundation for the believer. The belt of truth becomes the foundation for the believer. There are two aspects that we have to consider the belt of truth. Firstly, the belt of truth is not a what, it's a who. And secondly, the belt of truth is also a what. So who is the belt of truth? The truth is Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, I am the way, listen, the truth, the life. In other words, there is no other truth, there is no other life, there is no other way. He is the singular truth. He is the truth, Jesus Christ. And we have him, what? By grace through faith. You didn't deserve him. You didn't earn him, but you got him because God loves you. And so God sent his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's a manifestation of God's love for you and I. Jesus Christ, and he's given him to you. You have the truth in Jesus Christ. Secondly, it's a what? It is the word of God. It is the word of God. Jesus, when he's praying in the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, he says this in John 17, 17. Sanctify them in, tr in the truth. Listen, your word is truth. So the truth is not only a, a, a who, but a what? It's the word of God. The word of God is our truth. It's what we trust. It's what we believe. It's what we stand upon. How many times has the enemy lied to you? How many times has the enemy come to you and said, God doesn't love you. He doesn't want you. He doesn't care about you. How many times has he said, God's trying to keep you from something? Listen, he may not say it in those terms, but, that, but you're being tempted in those ways by the voice of deception. How do you battle the voice of deception? With the voice of truth. With the voice of truth. Because frankly, I know that I'm not worth it. Frankly, I know that there's nothing good in me. Frankly, I know that outside of God's love for me that, you know, I can't practically do this thing called the Christian life. I can't, you know, I can't do any of this. And the enemy will remind you of that often. But here's the thing is we battle that with the word of truth. You have to know Scripture, Christian. You have to know the Word of God. Listen, this is the foundation of everything in your life. In your, the, the whole premise of the Christian life is the Word, who is Jesus and who also man, made manifest to you and I in a written format in a book called the Bible. We need to know the Word of God. 
because it's what we use to battle. It's what we use to stand firm in when we're in the midst of the battle, right? We need the word. We need the belt of truth. Secondly, we need the breastplate of righteousness. Listen, every soldier needs a breastplate. They need a breastplate to protect their vital organs, particularly their heart. Did you know that you have been given protection for your heart? And it is by way of righteousness. Listen, it's doing the right thing, having been made right. That's what the word righteous means. To do the right thing, to be made right. How does God protect you? With righteousness. Your righteousness? No, we already talked about that. It's not your righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness. You, listen, if the, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 4.23 that, you know, we need to really, really protect our heart. Why? Because out of it spring all the issues of life. Be diligent with your heart for out of it spring the issues of life. That's a different version than probably up there. But anyway, the, regardless, the point is this, that our hearts need protected. Because we know we're not righteous. And the enemy often will remind you that you are not righteous and that you can't stand before the Lord. But we have to put the breastplate on. You have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, who is your righteousness, the Bible says. Uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, I will be I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Christ has clothed you with a robe of righteousness. Not only that, Philippians 3.9. And to be found in him, Jesus Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. The blessed breastplate of righteousness is Jesus himself. And when you're in a battle, you need to protect your heart. You need to protect your vital organs because the enemy is targeting your heart. He's trying to get to the core of who you are. And if we have the, the breastplate on, when he tries to jab us, it will bounce off us. Why? Because his righteousness stands, not mine. His righteousness stands. We can stand firm in Christ, in his righteousness. Just remember, when the enemy tells you God could never accept you, you can say he already has. Not because of my righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And remind yourself of whose righteousness it is. Sometimes we, we can walk with the Lord for a period of time, and we can start thinking we're doing pretty good. We can start thinking like, hey, I think I got this, you know, kind of thing. And beware of that. And again, it's a deception. We need to be, you, listen, you're, you should be as desperate for Jesus Christ right now in this moment as you ever have been in your life from the point in which you came to salvation. You should be desperate for him because it's by him that any of this is possible. Thirdly, we've been given feet ready with the gospel of peace. Every soldier needs good shoes. The, the shoes that a Roman soldier would wear would be like a, a leather-strapped shoe that, that they would take nails and they would drive them through the sole of the shoe so that they could have good footing when they were on, you know, loose gravel and, and places like that where they were fighting so that they could, because if they don't have good footing and they lose their step, they could lose their life. And so this becomes very crucial for, uh, for someone who's a soldier who's going to battle. The ability to stay, you know, firmly put and be able to battle on your feet. The, 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 the shoes that we've been equipped with, that we've been girded with, are the shoes of the gospel, which is our peace. The shoes of the gospel, which is our peace. Jesus, again, this points to Jesus. He is the gospel. Yes, Jesus is the gospel. The gospel is our peace. Therefore, what? Jesus is our peace. He said it himself in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why? Because he's given you peace. 
Our peace is not found in a place or a religion. It's found in a person, and his name is Jesus. Listen, we can take the gospel of peace in every circumstance and situation. Did you know that? That you can stand in peace in the midst of a horrendous battle. Why? Because Jesus is your peace. Your peace is not circumstantial. It's not based on what's going on in my life. It's based on who he is. And he brought, he, listen, Jesus brought you peace with the Father. He brought you peace with, those, with other people in the world. And he also brought you peace within. He is your peace. If you're not in peace in the midst of the battle, that means you're not relying on the Lord. That means you're relying on yourself. It's a good parameter to look at in your life. And when, when, when the flames, the darts start coming at you, you have to remind yourself, who am I trusting in? Am I trusting in my strength? If you, if you are, then you've already lost. You have to be, remind yourself to trust in the Lord. He is your peace, and he has given you peace to take into the world and to tell other people about. You see somebody that's distraught, that's lacking peace in their life, you can tell them, hey, no worries. I know the way to get peace. His name is Jesus. You surrender your life to him, and he will bring peace into your life. You can have peace. It's, it, it's part of our armor. We already have it, and we can give it out. You can give it to other people. So actively walk in that. Fourthly, listen, the shield of faith. In all circumstances, verse 16, take up the shield of faith, which with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, Roman soldiers were given two types of shields. They were given a smaller shield that was for, hand, you know, kind of that went on the arm that was for hand-to-hand um, -hand combat kind of shield. It was smaller and all, just be able to block out. But they were also, some soldiers were given these, these big wooden and leather, uh, you know, very, very heavy shields. And uh, th those, those shields would be soaked in water. Because they knew that when they were going into battle that there were, would literally be flaming arrows that would come at them. So they would take these big shields and they would soak them so that when the, the arrows hit, they would extinguish. You know, you've seen the, the picture in, in any kind of a, you know, whatever, Ro a Roman or any kind of really dark, dark ages kind of battle where the soldiers come out, you know, and they know that the archers are ready to go. And so they, they bring up and they have a shield the, 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 the guys in the front put up their shields vertically and then everybody else puts them up horizontally and they make a cover. And when the arrows, you know, thousands of arrows are flying at, at all at once, they're covered, they're protected. Paul says in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. You've been given a shield too. You've been given a, a means to be able to be protected from the fiery darts of the enemy. You've been given a shield. Our protection is not, listen, it's not literally the shield, but it's, it's, it's actually faith. It's the shield of faith. Your protection is in your faith in who? In Jesus. Your protection is in your faith in Jesus. We have this concept of having to put every one of these items on. No, it's one step always, Jesus it doesn't matter what you're lacking in your life. It's one step, Jesus Christ. You just go to Jesus. He is the one by which we uh, know that we put our, our faith in that we win the battle. I mean, he won the battle over sin and death, folks. Can he not win the battle over whatever it is that you're going through? How do we, how do we activate that? By faith. We trust him. We believe him. Having not seen what's going to happen, we trust him and believe him that it will happen, that we do have victory and we believe him for it. We do this by faith. It's the shield of faith, 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God, listen, overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It's your faith that, that gives you the ability to overcome. But it's more the, listen, it, so that must mean, this is, what we, this is how we think, that must mean I, I must, you know, if I'm, I'm losing, uh, you know, the battle, that must mean that my faith is too small, so I better get some more faith. I have to run out and try and get it somehow. No, you're wrong. That's not the way to think of this. It's not a matter of quantity, folks. Re really, the issue is it's a matter of the object of your faith. You're not trusting in Jesus. That's the issue. It's not a matter of I need more faith. No, you need to put your faith in the right person, in Jesus Christ. John said, goes on to write in 1 John 5, 5, 
Who is, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Faith is our shield, and our faith is put into a person who is Jesus Christ, and that's how we overcome. If you put your faith in the wrong thing, I don't care how great a faith you have. If you put your faith in something other than Jesus, that shield will fail you. It will fail you. If you're putting your faith in a doctor to, to help you with your health, listen, that shield will fail you. Now, <laughs> let's not be stupid. Not that we don't go to doctors, not that we don't visit, you know, we don't, we don't pursue those kinds of things. That's not what I'm saying. The, the question is, when you go to those places, who are you trusting in? You're still called to trust in Jesus. He has to be the object of your faith. Do not allow your faith to be placed somewhere else because it will fail you. You have to put your faith in Jesus. He's the only one that can put out those arrows. He's the shield of faith that we stand behind. He has to be the one. Not only have we been given the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the, the shield of faith, but we have also been given the helmet of salvation. Check this out, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. A soldier would not go into battle without his helmet. Neither should we ever forget the helmet that we've been given in Christ, our salvation. Again, your salvation isn't, isn't uh, in anything you've done. It's not in anything you could do. It's in a person, and his name is Jesus. It's a picture of the helmet of salvation is a picture of, of our salvation. In fact, it's very clear that Jesus is that. Uh, remember when Jesus was brought to the temple when he was 40 days old? It was a custom. There's something that they did. They, they brought, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus, and there was a guy there named Simeon. Simeon longed to see the Messiah. And in fact, listen to what he says when he sees Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 30, For my eyes have seen your salvation. That is the helmet of salvation, Jesus Christ. Simeon called it out right there when Jesus was 40 days old. Why is this so important for us to understand? Because for many of us, we will never ever come to an assurance of our salvation, will we? Some of us are, are you know, think that God is looking at you, looking at your salvation like you're looking at it, like oh boy, you sinned today, you can't be saved. Oh boy, you know, you, you have to come to Christ again. That, that's not the way it works. If you've come to Christ, you're saved. You've been justified, Romans chapter 5. You don't lose your salvation based on what you're doing. You do what you do based on the fact that you have your salvation. You know what I'm saying? So there are works that are associated with your salvation. But, but in other words, you will still falter and fail. And when you do, you trust Jesus. You come to the Lord. But, but positionally, you're saved already. You don't, you, you're not, you don't lose your salvation because you blew it, because you fell down, you stumbled along. Oh, once saved, always saved then, huh? And, and people have a huge issue with this. But I tell you, if you study the Bible, and not based on your own opinion, by the way, but if you look at the Word of God, and you look at what salvation, what it really means to be justified, really that God has taken you and Jesus really did an exchange for you at the cross, and that is him that stands before the Father in your name? When you understand how that works, you can't lose your salvation because it was never in you in the first place. It was given to you by Jesus Christ. The question is, are you saved? That, that's, a quest, that's a whole different kind of question. The question of can you lose your salvation, zero, absolutely not. No, you cannot if you have it in the first place. The question really should be asked, do I really have it? Am I really saved? How do I know? How do I know? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Again, we use the Word of God. We don't use our opinions. The Word of God says if I've been changed, if I've been transformed, if I've been born again, John 3, 3, you know, then I am saved. That means there's a change in my life. I have the helmet of salvation, but the enemy will challenge you all the days of your life on it. Who am I trusting in for my salvation? Gosh, if you're trusting in yourself, you're going you're gonna to be in a terrible situation. You're gonna be, you'll lose the battle, folks. But if you're trusting in Jesus, then you have a helmet on. And he's able to protect your thoughts and your mind from these doubts that will come. Listen, the, the, the way, again, the way that we battle these things 
is the Word of God. If I want, if I need strength in a certain area of my life, I run to the Word of God. I run to His Word to find out what it says about what I'm struggling with so that I can gain some, some strength in my legs to stand. You know, God is, God is very clear on many, many subjects. We just don't want to seek them out. I'm telling you, you've got to know the Bible. If you, want to, if you want to be successful in your walk, you have to study the Bible. And, and, and it's funny because I, I, I talk to a lot of different people. And when people come into me, my first question is, well, how much are you reading your Bible? Oh, I don't. Um, okay, well, well, maybe we just start there, okay? Here, just, just take this home and read it. And then, uh, and then we'll, we can talk about what your issues are after that, huh? Because I, you can't, listen, I can't win the battle for you. Jesus did that. If you're not willing to take the practical steps that he's given you to read the word, then listen, I don't know that there's a lot of help I can be to you. All I can do is remind you of what the word of God says. That's it. Really, you can get that for yourself. Did you know that? You don't need somebody else to explain the Bible to you. You already have a teacher, and his name is the Holy Spirit. 1 John 2.27, you've been, an, been given an anointing. That anointing is the Holy Spirit so that he can teach you. He's the teacher. He's the teacher even right now. He's the teacher. And he's given you his word. You can put the helmet of salvation on. You can battle the thoughts, whether it be depression, anxiety, whether it be about salvation, whatever it is, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You put the helmet on and you stand in him firm and you trust his word and you read his word. It's not about the work that you have to put into it, but let me say, if you put the work into it, you're going to see benefits, I promise. I promise you, know his word, put, which is basically what we're going into next, so praise the Lord, you know. The, the, the next thing that we've been given is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, some will say that this is the only offensive weapon that we've been given. Others will say, no, the feet that are, that are put with the gospel, that is also an offensive weapon. Whatever it is, you can make that choice for yourself. I really don't care. But here's what I know is that we've been given a sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We've been given a sword. Now, a Roman soldier would be issued some, not some big barbarian, you know, kind of Goliath sword. This would be a small dagger-like sword that would be 6 to 18 inches long, the same kind of sword that uh, Peter used to, to lop off Malchus's ear the night when Jesus was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the same kind of, of, of sword. This sword was given for hand-to-hand -hand combat. What does that mean? That means you got to get up close and personal to use it. You have to get up close to the enemy to use this thing. You know, and so that means you got to be on the front lines. You're on the front lines. I hate to tell you, there are no other lines in the, in the, the Christian, you know, walk. There, there isn't, you know, you're not like six rows back. You're front and center on the, in the midst of the battle. Every one of us are. So you can't hide behind someone else. Listen, you have to stand and withstand by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other step. It's just you and the battle. So you need Jesus. And you pull out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice, it, notice the nature of the sword. It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit. That is the nature of this sword. Jesus said in John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Spirit of God works in conjunction with the written Word of God. You know that? You ever been talking to somebody and all of a sudden a scripture just pops up in your mind and you're like, I feel like I need to tell you this scripture, you know. Uh, you know, God, God only helps those who help themselves. That's in the Bible, Second Opinions 3, right? No, no, that's not in the Bible. Please erase that. That's not in the Bible. I was just seeing if you're paying attention. No, listen. What happens when you're in the midst of a conversation with somebody is the Holy Spirit begins to just move on you. He starts to bring to remembrance things that Jesus has said to you. What do you mean? Jesus is the word. Things that Jesus has said to you. Things that Jesus has ministered to you. And you start to speak that out to somebody else and all of a sudden they're encouraged. They are, they're being blessed. You know what you're doing in that midst? You've taken out the sword and you are lashing at the enemy. You are taking out. You are, you are engaging in the battle. You, 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 are, you, are, 
you're fighting on their behalf. But you can do that for yourself, too. The Holy Spirit, when you're in the midst of a hardship, man, I had to be reminded. The Holy Spirit, I was praying, would come on me this morning when I went out into my garage and saw that my dog got all over my, the, the trash was everywhere in my garage, and I was on my way to church this morning. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I want to kill that dog. But, um, and I prayed, and I, you know, oh, this is the devil. No, it's not the devil. It's my dog that was hungry, wanted to get in the, you know, but anyways. Uh, but the Holy Spirit will come upon us personally when you're discouraged. And the Lord will remind you of a scripture specifically. God will give you a word in the moment to get you through whatever it is that you're going through. All you got to do is look to him. Go, you know, all you have to do is look, look to him, seek him, ask him, Lord, help me through this situation. And he will. The spirit is at work, man. And the spirit knows every single word Jesus said. And he will bring to, his job is to bring to remembrance to you what he said in his word. So, you know, you, 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 you have the, the Spirit of God who helps you remember the literal Word of God, which, by the way, if you're not familiar, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, was with God, and the Word was God, John 1.1. 1, 1. He was with Him in the beginning. John 1.14 goes on to tell us, and the Word was made manifest in the flesh, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We begot the glory of the only begotten. What am I saying? I'm saying that the Spirit of God points us to the Word of God, who is Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God will always point you to the Word of God, which is Jesus himself and the written Word of God, of course. But it becomes our weapon. It becomes the means by which we, we uh, the offensive means by which we are able to overcome the enemy in the midst of battle. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, and joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Listen, many Christians leave their sword sheathed under the most brutal attacks. Did you know that it's meant to produce strength and might? and an ability to stand and withstand the enemy? How do we know? Because Jesus did it. Jesus himself used the sword of the Spirit when he was tempted. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 4. When the, when the enemy came at Jesus, oh, by the way, he'd been fasting for 40 days, 40 nights. He had been fasting for a long period of time already. You think he was hungry? Probably. I'm just saying. And then he's, the first thing he's tempted with is bread. And what does Jesus say? Boy, am I hungry. That, you know, the, the enemy makes these stones appear to look like bread, or maybe they manifest themselves into bread. I don't know. But here's what Jesus said. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How did he fight the battle there? If you look at the, every temptation that Jesus was given there, he responds not with his opinions, not with his thoughts, but with the word of God. He is the word. He responds with scripture. It's the sword. If Jesus needed to use the sword, I'm pretty sure you do too. I'm pretty sure I do. I probably should know how to use the sword. How do we wield the sword correctly, by the way? The spirit. We have to be careful that we don't start pulling the sword out in an incorrect manner and not rightly divide his word and take his word out of context. Again, it's something that your entire Christian life should be dedicated to knowing his word in context. I'm not talking about quoting a couple verses, but I'm talking about keeping those verses in context so that you don't make heresy out of his word, right? We want to, that means, just, just real quick, if you're not familiar with what that means, that means you read above the verse and below the verse and make sure it's saying the same thing that you came up with with that verse, right? So you look for the context, the consistent um, meaning behind the text as it's being laid out. A lot of people just grab a text and go, oh, this is really good. You know, God says, kill your enemies. You know, and they go quote that. You know, and it's, it's in the Bible, I promise you. Those three words are there, but it's not in context. So beware. Make sure you keep it in context. Make sure you let the sword, the, the spirit, wield the sword correctly through you. Right? So we've been given these six things, these six, six types of armor 
to walk victoriously in this life. We have, we have been properly clothed, but we also, listen, we want to walk victoriously. We must also be committed to prayer, verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Literally, prayer, petitioning before God, asking God for things. Supplication, pleading on, on, on your behalf or others' behalf uh, to the Lord. Paul is telling us that we can have victory through prayer. The word with there, where it says praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, that word with means to accompany. Thus, what he's saying is it, it means to, that is the means in which we find victory is through prayer. It, the word with means through or to accompany. Paul's giving us instruction here on why it's important to pray when we're in the midst of the battle because we find victory through prayer. And there's five different things that Paul points out here that um, help us understand our victory through prayer, how we, uh, how we find victory th by being committed through prayer. Number one, it's by being consistent. That's what he said here, praying at all times in the Spirit. We need to be consistent in our prayers. We should never, uh, listen, we should never wait for the battle to rage. It's already raging. It never ceases. If you're experiencing peace right now, it's just because the enemy's regrouping. You realize that. Like, he didn't, he didn't go, oh, well, I don't want to mess around with these people. They're just way too strong for me. <laughs> no, no, he's, he's regrouping. He's going to come back at you. So you should be regrouping too. You should be preparing yourself right now. If you're not in the midst of the battle, you should be praying right now, God, strengthen me because I know the battle's coming. It will come, I promise. But we don't have to fear it. We're just consistently going to the Lord in prayer at all times, in the good times, in the bad times. You know, we're, we're going to him continually in prayer. Secondly, notice, um, he, 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 well, we also pray in the Spirit. Notice that. What does that mean to pray in the Spirit? He's talking about praying in tongues and stuff. No, he's talking about this concept of praying you know, the Spirit of God making prayer and supplication for you. Like, the, the Spirit of God prays for you sometimes. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For do we not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. Listen, you have the Holy Spirit, regardless if you have the gift of tongues or not. You have the Holy Spirit in you already being consistent for you in praying you know, with you and for you and, you know, uh, for those that you love. He's already doing that. We just need to be consistent in what we can do in this thing called prayer. Secondly, we need to be alert. Verse 18, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Being alert means to be observant, to be attentive, to pay attention. Listen, don't become slothful in prayer. Don't become slothful or lazy in prayer. Some of you guys might think that you have the gift of pray sleeping. You know what that is. <laughs> Some of you do know what that is. It's when you, you know, when you go to pray and you just drift asleep. This is what happens. That's, that's a gift. It's not a gift. I promise you it's not a gift. In fact, Jesus uh, had to deal with that. He had to tell his disciples it wasn't a gift. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, where, it, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said to them, watch and pray. Listen that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You need to be alert always. You need to be ready because the enemy, he's, he's like a roaring lion. He's seeking to devour somebody. He is already, he are already, he's at work, man. He's looking for a way to, to devour you. You need to be alert. You need to be attentive. You need to be observant and watch out because he is seeking to devour you. Paul goes on here and he says, be bold, verse, verses 19 through 20. He, he said, you know, make prayers for me, he said in verse 20, 19 there. And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul reminds us that in every situation that we're called to be bold in proclaiming the gospel. Paul, listen, he was in prison here. He was chained, and yet he is still proclaiming the gospel. And he's saying, pray that God gives me an opportunity to proclaim it. I think he was literally pray that God will give me the opportunity to uh, bring it 
before the emperor of Rome. Just pray that I can bring the gospel to anybody and everybody, man. Pray that I would be bold enough. Why is he asking for boldness? This is the apostle Paul. You would think that he's pretty bold. No, he's bold. Why? Because people pray for him. His boldness wasn't in and of himself. His boldness. Listen, this guy walked into towns and was stoned to death, right? I mean, like people didn't like Paul. <laughs> if I was him, I'd be saying, please pray for uh, boldness for me too because I don't know if I really want to say anything. Because every time I do, every time I open my mouth, there's, you know, people are trying to imprison me, right? He's saying, pray for boldness, that I, not only that I would proclaim, that I could be able to proclaim the gospel and not shrink in the opportunity. Perhaps that's something you need to, you need prayer for. Maybe you need boldness. Maybe you are shrinking when it comes to the opportunity to share the gospel and you're, well, I just don't know if they'd really want to hear it, but God opens up the window and you miss it. Listen. It's a lack of boldness, and boldness comes from the Spirit of God. And if you're convicted about it, then you probably miss the opportunity. Don't miss it again. Start praying right now for boldness. God, give me the ability in the moment, you know, to, to have the boldness to say something. And I promise you, this kind of boldness will still make you, you'll still feel nervous about it. It's not like you're just going to be, you know, super strong in it. No, because it'll take faith for you to exercise it. So there's going to be maybe some kind of fear in that. And, and you're just like, but listen, we step out anyways by faith and we trust the Lord. We need to be bold. Thirdly, or, or fourthly, Paul says, we need to also pray for encouragement. Look at verses 21 through 22. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, Tychicus was a, uh, a traveling partner of Paul in his third missionary journey. And, and you can read about it in Acts chapter 20. But Paul says he's the beloved brother and, and faithful minister of the Lord. Uh, and he, he'll tell you everything. I've sent him to you this, for this very purpose, that you may know how we are. And listen, that he may encourage your hearts. Now, I don't know about you, but when I pray, it encourages me. Doesn't prayer encourage you? Aren't you encouraged when you, when you start to pray? Why? Because you know who you're praying to. And you know the capacity in which he has. He is, he is, he is above all. Right? And so when you make your request before him, that you can come boldly before the throne of grace, that you can make your request before him, and you can know that something's going to happen because he's on the throne. It doesn't even matter what you're asking about. He's on the throne. So we can come in that way, and we can be encouraged because we know God has the capacity to work in the, in the midst of whatever it is that we're asking him to do. The question is, will it be his will? And that's where we just trust by faith. We come and we ask for the, 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 the ridiculous. We ask for big things. We ask God to do incredible things. Why? Because he's able to, but we also trust him that his will be done. You know, and we, we don't, and I'm encouraged that I can do that, and I can go before the Lord in every circumstance of my life, and I can lay my request before him, and I can be encouraged. But also, in the midst of that, I also, God does something in my heart, and I can become an encouragement to somebody else. And so Paul says Tychicus was sent to them to be an encouragement so that, they, so that God, uh, Paul could tell them through Tychicus about what God was doing, how God met them in every situation. And, and every circumstance you've gone through, you can encourage somebody else with it. You can say, hey, you know, listen, God's seen me through this very same thing. He can get you through it. So be an encouragement. Uh, you know, pray. Pray and allow prayer to be an encouragement, but also allow prayer to come into your heart so that you can be an encouragement to somebody else. And lastly, we find that the last thing involves peace, love, faith, and grace. Look at verses 23 and 24. Peace be to the brother and love with faith from the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Notice peace, love, and faith. Where do they come? From God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all a result of grace, folks. We don't get it because we deserve it. We get it because God loves us and he gave it to us freely. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. As we pray, don't forget that Jesus died to give you peace. Again, peace with God, peace with others, peace within. He also filled you with a love that is sacrificial and willing to stand in the midst of others uh, while they battle. He also filled you with faith. Faith, that, to be able to, in the moment, stand and take steps that are, you know, not natural to you. That's what faith is. Taking the step that you can't see is there. 
but you're going to take it anyway because God is with you and he's instructing you and you take it anyway. Grace. The Bible tells us that, you know what? He loved you at your worst. That's grace. That's grace. We don't deserve his help. We can't earn it, but we have it because he loves us. That's why. That's the whole point. So here's the thing. If you want to walk victoriously, you must be strong in the Lord. You must be properly clothed. You must be committed to prayer. And I want to challenge you today to look at your own life and ask yourself in the midst of the battle that you're going through, who am I relying on? Am I relying on the Lord or am I relying on myself? Am I, am I dependent upon Jesus or am I dependent on something else? Listen, sometimes we can even become dependent on things that are, that are from Jesus, but he's not the object of our faith. That is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we're running to the armor of God as if it's something outside of Jesus, and we're saying, I'm going to find my strength in that. No. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who was the joy beset before you, who endured the cross, despised the shame, and sits at the right hand of the Father. You need to get your eyes on Jesus, no matter what it is that you're going through. He is your strength, and he will see you through. The enemy has no power over someone whose eyes are fixed on Jesus, who is strong in his, in his strength, and his might, he has no power over you. Why? Because all of a sudden, you are clothed with proper clothing. Immediately, as you look to Jesus, he clothes you. you. It's not something you put on. These aren't things that you, you these things are, you already have, and as you look to Jesus as your strength, they just manifest themselves. And the thing that you can do is you can pray. And, you know, I'm sure if I polled every one of you, the one thing that you would say is, man, I don't pray enough. Okay, well, <laughs> guess what? There's a remedy, huh? <laughs> Who would have thought? You could start praying today. I mean, you know, you can pray. The Bible says pray always, man. Start praying. It, this is what I would encourage you, man, to do, is if you find that your strength is not in him, pray. If you find that you don't have the proper clothing in a certain battle, that you're battling these doubts in your mind, that your heart's being tested, that you, you know, your feet are afraid to speak the gospel of peace to people, whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with, you know, Start to pray and ask God to help you. Help him to get your eyes fixed on him. And he'll enable you to do these things. And here's what I would say, lastly. It's not that God can't use horizontal things to, to accomplish his will in, the li in your life, i.e. a doctor, a friend, whatever it is. But here's what I would say is you need to rely on him first. What it means to be strong in the Lord, it means to go to God first. Not second, not third, not after you've tried everything else on a horizontal, and then you say, okay, well, I guess I better try Jesus. I, better, I guess I better bring it to Jesus. No, you run to Jesus first, and you let him instruct you on where you need to go. That's what it means to be strong in the Lord. And I know that's scary in some situations. You know, if it's your health or it's your, you know, it, whatever it might be, whatever circumstance, and it doesn't even matter what the circumstance is, you've got to run to Jesus first. Because he needs to be the object of your faith. He needs to be the one that you're trusting in. Amen? Father, thank you for your word this morning and for your goodness in our lives. And we just pray, Lord, even right now, that you move in our midst, that you help us to see what it is that we need to do to become stronger in our faith with you, Lord, to, in, in our walk with you. We pray, even right now, Lord. There are some here today that needed to hear this message, Lord, specifically because there are doubts going on. And this, this is a spiritual attack. There are things going on right now, Lord, that you know have discouraged some and that, that are essentially taking over. Maybe even doubts of whether you even are real, whether you really exist. I thank you that you get specific like that, Lord, because you know who you're talking to. And I pray, Father, even right now, that you just help them to overcome these things, Lord by the power of your spirit, to be reminded of who you are. The enemy, the rulers, the authorities, uh, the, the principalities, the, the, um, the cosmic forces of darkness, Lord, they have no power over those who have their eyes fixed on Jesus. 
And so we ask you right now, Lord, to help us to clothe ourselves with you. Help us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ right now in every circumstance, in every situation, that you help us, Lord, because we can't do it on our own. We need spiritual strength right now. And so we ask you to just come by your spirit. Take your word that you've given us this morning and, and help us to apply it to our lives individually. So we just thank you, God. We, we pray for anyone here this morning that doesn't have a relationship with you. It starts there. You can't put on Jesus until you've given Jesus your life, until he is the Lord of your life. And if that's you this morning, he's simply calling you this morning. He's asking you to surrender your life to him, to turn from your sin and to turn to him. It's called repentance. And if that's you this morning, you can simply pray a prayer. It's a decision that you're making. He's already taken the step towards you in giving his own son. Just as we talked about in worship, he loved you first. He gave himself over for you. Now you have to respond to it. And so we pray in Jesus' name, if there's anyone here, that you would pray this prayer. Father, I come in Jesus' name and I thank you for forgiving me for my sins, giving me the strength to turn away from my sins and turn to you today. I ask you to become the Lord of my life, Jesus, to rule and reign over me. Make me a new person. Change my ways, Lord. I want to be a worshiper of you today. I want to surrender my life to you. And so I come and I, and I do that. I believe that you died for me, that your blood covers me and forgives me, and that you rose again from the dead, conquering death for me. And I put my faith in you alone today. In Jesus' name. And for the rest of us, Lord, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to move in our midst, Lord, and help us to do the same, Lord. We never move away from this concept of surrendering to you, to getting our eyes fixed on you. You're the center of our faith. And so come by your Spirit now as we close and just speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.